Jorge Fascinetti, and you're listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. The next podcast in our continuing series on drug development focuses on the commercial and business aspects of getting a growing company ready for a new drug. Gina Ford is Crenetic's Vice President of Corporate Strategy and Commercial Planning. We caught up with Gina a few weeks ago and talked about the challenges and opportunities as these new potential medications move through their development pipeline. We talked about development cost, pricing issues, growth, the future, and how patients can play a critical role in this complex process. I'm here with uh, Gina Ford this morning, who's a VP of Corporate Strategy and Commercial Planning. What, tell me, what, what is that? <laughs> What's VP? <laughs> I keep asking that question. Yeah, um, yeah because sometimes it tells us it's, it's you know great talented, but what do you actually do? Yeah, sure, and it, sure. And it has nothing to do with the title. Well, it's you know it's, it has a little bit to do with with where Crenetics is as a company. Um, I'm sure you've heard our, our lead program is in phase two, so we're thinking about commercialization for our our program in Acromegaly, but at the same time, I've got three other programs, um, molecules to think about that are earlier stage. So corporate strategy has to do with how do we look at how do we look at the portfolio as a company, thinking about our discovery and development teams, making sure they keep going, but thinking all the way to if we do when we put a sales team in place, how does that sales team transfer from our lead program in acromegaly to then to Cushing's disease, then into some of our products that might be more for NCAH, that's more of a, a teenage years, and finally into pediatric mm-hmm. endocrinology. So we're thinking about that from a commercial planning perspective because you, you, you don't wanna put so many boots on the ground that you are, you're tipping the scale in terms of cost of sales. So when I'm thinking about a profit and loss, um, I'm thinking about, okay, what is the cost of goods for anything that we develop and turn into an oral tablet you can swallow? What is the price of that for patients and for insurance companies? And then what does it cost us to actually go and market and sell this? So I'm gonna think about all those things in the context of eventually a pure revenue company that supports the entire organization. And can you can you project as you look go through the planning now um, what the cost may be of a, of of let's say the the eight oh eight molecule when it becomes a uh, I should say that I have here yeah. for our <laughs> listeners actually the actual pill yeah. from eight oh eight which is on phase two. Sure. Which has got to be a tremendous feeling, no? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great feeling. Um, and it really it it takes someone like me who is is more business minded versus our chemist and biologist who think you know chemistry. I think in I think in tablets. Yeah. So to hear you shake that sure. bottle yeah. is um, yeah, here it is. Chemistry. It's actually a pill. Yeah, that, it's actually a pill. It's actually working. Yeah. So. so so we do we start thinking early about. Um, you know, the marketplace and, and how we would price this product. Um, you do some early work um, with payers to understand what they're currently paying, um, you know, for the injectables, 
for products that we think are, you know, might be a couple years ahead of us, how will they position and price their product? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy time to be thinking about um, healthcare and healthcare costs. Um, and that's why you're kind of always monitoring what, you know, what the payers might be doing, the commercial payers, the government payers, keeping a pulse on that. Um, and then you get really serious about how you price your product, you know, about nine months to six months before you launch, understanding the current environment. Um, and there's yeah. there's various, you know, the, the, the whole payer system is, is quite complex. We should, we'll do a whole conversation on that someday, J.D., for yeah, the listeners. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah we talked, on, we touched on a little bit yesterday with uh, Alan, yeah. Uh, about you know uh, orphan drug development and, and those sort of things and the types of um, facilities that there are to for development. Yeah. Uh, which is not something that you know our audience or ourselves really truly understand. So it's something that we would probably want to educate people on a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about you know, costs and the cost of development and everything else. It's, I, I think to, to, as, to make it as real as possible, you know, everybody talks about, you know, how expensive it is to develop, but, and then how on the back end you try to think about, you know, not just pricing, but the years you have of patent exclusivity to make up to for make all up that. For and, so you have, and you have a, a finite you do, time. You do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that all that goes into really kind of how we establish a final price in the marketplace. And, and then it comes down to, you know, how how quickly you want patients to have access because payers will will put barriers on your first day of approval. Sure, sure. And so you work with payers to say, look, we've we patients have, have worked with us to get this through clinical trials. We we want them to be on product as soon as possible. How can we work with you to ensure that on day one yeah. patients have access to this? Yeah, so yeah. that's how that's interesting. That's a that's long very, story yeah. for us to tell someday. Yeah, yeah. But it's very interesting because, I, again, I think that there is the need to, to people, for people to understand, for users, you know, mm -hmm. for the consumer and the patient to understand the, the process. And sure. I don't think it's well understood at all. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little about the challenges. You know, your uh, Grenetics is by all accounts a small yeah. company, very small company. I mean, started with 25 people. Just now, you are now up to 60? 65. 65. And I'm assuming that you're going to grow exponentially with people as these sure. as these uh, drugs are approved. So what are the challenges from your, where you sit in the company, how do you get from little to huge? <laughs> or, or, you know, maybe how huge you want to get. I asked Scott yesterday when we were chatting that, yeah. that question. And, you know... It's a difficult question, but you, I'm sure you, there's a lot of challenges to maintain that right. that personality that you have, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I think part of that is is really you know the the core of the company understanding um, Scott's vision about where he wants to take the company, and then how how we see that come to life in all of our communications and all of our interactions with our patients with our healthcare, our, our soon-to-be prescribers, yeah. our healthcare practitioners, those who are investigating our, our product. So developing that really core of belief in the people who, who are here now so that everybody has a common language, yeah. right? Everybody has a common language. We, we are, we're a company discovering, developing, and commercializing products in rare diseases in the endocrinology space. Um, that then makes it really easy for, you know, as we recruit new people to say, 
this is who we are, this is what we believe in, we want people to believe the same thing. Um, and it's, it's very appealing to people when they're considering an opportunity that the, the vision is crystal clear and the message is crystal clear and whether they're in an elevator with somebody sure, and they say, pitch, right? what, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. They can explain it when they're home, yeah. you know, the holidays are yeah. coming up and when, when somebody yeah. says, what are you, now what are you doing? They've yeah. got that message to tell. Yeah. Um, it makes it so easy for it to resonate. So, so that's critical for the company to get to. Um, but then I think it really comes down to, you know, as a public company, um, really fulfilling what we need to do for our shareholders. And, and, and they funded this company on 808 and seeing 808 to fruition to become an actual commercial product. Yeah. So it's very incumbent on us to see that through. But in the interim, we're a discovery company, right? We've, we've got chemistry labs, we've got biology labs, and so how do we very efficiently utilize time of those scientists to keep that discovery engine going? Because 808 is just the beginning, and if we are successful with that and build a commercial team, then I need a, a launch two years later, and then I need a third launch another two and a half so years later. So you have to later. have a pipeline. So I've got to have a pipeline, so I constantly need these, our chemistry teams, our discovery teams, our development teams, to make sure the engine keeps going. That yeah. can never stop, because that is the key to becoming a, a mid-size and hopefully a large-size pharmaceutical company here in So San let Diego. me ask you, when you go through development, can you, can you uh, track or estimate how much development work you need to have. You know, so what's the failure rate, I guess, at the development stage? So you can go through to say, I'm gonna have enough on the pipeline to have yeah. product. Or is that a, can you actually do that? I mean, it sounds so difficult, no? It, you, know, you don't know. I, I, I have the luxury, I, I have a, a meeting twice a month with, with one of our principal scientists, and we, we talk about really the things that they're working on and the things that they're struggling with. Um, the things that they want, the directions that they want to go in, and um, yeah, there there are hiccups along the sure. way. But the 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 core value of Crenetics is the deep, rich understanding of the somatostatin receptors and throughout the whole body how those how those work and how those interact. So the smarter they get, which they're, they're already like experts in their field, but the smarter they get in terms of all that gives us an even broader view of the discovery that we could, that we could achieve yeah. here. Now, not all of that is, is Crenetic's core of rare endocrine um, disorders, but that's corporate strategy as well. Yeah. So we, we're, we're looking at SST4, somatostatin receptor 4, which actually has, has applicability in pain. Well, with the, with the world of what's going on with pain to bring yeah, new I therapies to market. Now, we're not going to do that. That's yeah. not our core for us to think about building a commercial organization around that. That's, that's not something that fits our vision or our mission, but it's incumbent on Crenetics to then think about potential partnerships and bringing that side of discovery of Crenetics yeah. into the world. Um, and so that's the other side of how we really think about corporate strategy is how do we take what's coming out of discovery and find find others that want to bring value to those therapies through their through yeah their uh, 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 partnerships mm -hmm. you know, strategic partnerships yeah. yeah so so one of the things that's interesting that I read you know in the literature and I've had some experience in it that sometimes companies lose control they're growing so fast that uh, 
that they're, you know, I think one, one of a huge company explained it to me saying as, well, you're sitting on a, on a, on a surfboard yeah. and all you're trying to do is not fall before you get to the beach. <laughs> that, was the, that was sort of the analogy of what it's like to go, and this was a company that went from, you know, three stores to 4,500 yeah. in about five years. Wow. Uh, so, do you do you think about that, or, oh, or is that a, a possibility, or? Uh, uh, of course, yeah. um, especially where I sit on you know thinking about um, you know an org- a commercial organization that in itself could be a hundred people in in three to five years, and, and those people those people are responsible for for again being the revenue engine. So the way a pharmaceutical company thinks about gating those. Um, which is a, a, a curse and a blessing, is through our clinical data. So everywhere we have a success, right now we have really great phase one data that tells me that the product works in, in healthy volunteers. We're in our phase two studies right now, which is the first time we're evaluating 808 in acromegaly patients. When that data comes out, I start knowing the value of this product in treating acromegaly and then have to start thinking about, okay, the next person I need to start thinking about how we'll go to market is is a market researcher. And the market researcher will then go and do payer interviews and interviews with patients and interviews with nurses. Um, that then gives us an idea, okay, now we're gonna think about launching. So yeah. marketing comes on So you board. understand all your different audiences you understand, and stakeholders. Yeah, you understand all that, but it's, it's, very, it's really, really key that you don't get too far ahead of yourself. You, 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 you wanna learn, but at the same time, that market research that you're doing needs to be relevant for the next step. So we do the we do the work in phase two. We get into phase three. We start doing a little bit more work based on our robust yeah. phase two data, and then you start thinking about go to market. And once you're at that point, you sort of have an idea of really how many sales reps you need. Who are your target customers? Um, it's still a little, I, I look at folks in this building when I say customers out yeah, loud, yeah. Um, but that's how I think about the world. Sure, at some sure. point, we have to start yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. Now, you never you never know for sure no. until you have that PDUFA date, course. and that PDUFA date comes, and you get that approval What's that letter. PDUFA date? Is that? Predict- pre- Prescription Drug User Fee Act okay. um, is the whole acronym. But the PDUFA date is the date you get from FDA that you will absolutely hear something. And they changed regulations a couple years ago, so FDA has to tell you something Something. by the date. Now they can tell you anything. Yeah, sure. Um, But it's the the basis of that clinical data and discovery on our product that will give us the confidence to say, you know what, we're 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 going to bring on sales reps ahead of our PDUFA date, get them all trained up. So as soon as we have approval, we're ready to go talk to yeah. customers. Um, and there there's some things that you do ahead of time, but that's that really is what gives you the additional confidence along the way to continue developing your commercial, yeah. commercial story and hiring along the path. And at the same time, again, nothing nothing in discovery stops. No. Um, sure. So you're you've got one arm thinking about. Yeah. Well, that's the that that is almost like the launch of the everything. Correct. Discovery, you know, yeah. it's fascinating. We talked yesterday a little bit about how you know the, how you go from discovery to development. What's that one little trigger that that says, okay, we're ready for this? Yeah, which is fascinating you know, to think about. So, um, well, the last thing. Thank you for your time. I know sure. you're really busy, but um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was this. Um, 
it's evident that kinetics uh, has put the patient in the center of the enterprise, and we, you know, we hear a lot of talk about that, and probably a lot of hot air also. Yeah. And and it's very interesting to see, you know, company. I think from the time that I met Scott, maybe three years ago, four years ago, yeah. it was evident that the patient was very important. And so, how are you going to keep that as you grow? Because it's easy to do when you're small. But as you get bigger, things get a little more complicated. And, yep. Um, uh, so anyway, I, you know, I, I can I can address that from in a very personal way um, as a as a pharmacist myself, as somebody who grew up, you know, really understanding touching how, patients, touching <laughs> patients, yeah. solving patient problems, um, knowing that we have the opportunity. I think the combination of, of Scott and our scientists making that a core, and 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 then you know it I, it's part of my DNA. Mm -hmm. Like I have a personal responsibility to the scientists of this building to ensure them that we continually bring patients closer to what we do, and everything we do. We, we seek patient input. We sure. really want to hear from patients. I, I, I don't think it's a, a rarity today that, again, we're potentially, you know, a couple of three years, five years potentially away from our first commercial product. And, and, and you've had the chance to talk to Stephanie. I'll talk to her more over yeah. the coming years. But patient advocacy is, is critical. Is, is critical. Sure. Um, and we've, we've made the decision to to prioritize that set of work that we need to do and, and make sure that we are engaging early with our patient leaders, finding out what they're struggling with, how we can help right now, so that we have an enduring relationship from now all the way through um, our existence in yeah. rare endocrine diseases, exactly. and that could be yeah. forever. That's a fantastic thing. I know that from the patient community, probably everybody that is involved in it is probably gonna wish you the best <laughs> of luck and hope everything comes to to fruition the way you want it to. Yeah. Know, it's going to be so great for for patients as well. Not just the 808, but everything else that comes out of the pack. Because as you know, the need is so huge. It is. And, and again, I, it, for me, it's like there's no, there, there's no, there's no option mm -hmm. for Kinetics. We're yeah. already engaged yeah. with, you know, our, our fourth, our fourth program, our fourth molecule. I mean, we, the company's been talking to them for years yeah. before myself or Stephanie got mm -hmm. here. Um, so it is. It is part of Kronetics um, being. It will always be part of Kronetics being, and um, I, I fully expect our patient advocacy team to grow before um, we ever really think about our marketing team. Our thanks to Gina Ford for taking the time to talk to us. I just wanted to take a minute to thank you, our followers and readers, for all the continued support over the years, and remind everyone that we are a nonprofit organization supported by contributors and listeners that just like you support our mission to inform and educate so more people are diagnosed properly and early. So if you'd like to help out and donate, please go to pituitaryworldnews.org and click on the Get Involved button. Your donation is fully tax deductible. Thank you.